You are listening to The LifeCast, a podcast where we discuss topics around faith, family, and fun. Alrighty guys, and welcome back to The LifeCast. I'm your host, Mark, and today is episode six, and we're going to be continuing our series Um, that we've been working through in the book of Genesis called In the Beginning. And uh, today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. And the the title of of today's uh, episode is The First Family Was Dysfunctional. So, right? I mean, aren't families dysfunctional from time to time? And so um, if you got a crazy family, then... uh, perhaps you'll resonate with this story um but yeah so gonna kind of try to do it the same way that we did it last week which was um there's a lot going on and normally i kind of try to start off with a personal story but i'm just going to jump into this text and kind of just read it verse verse by verse and stop and pause and make some observations and um we'll see how it goes and then uh, maybe try to land the plane and um, see how it connects to our lives, see um, how the choices made in this story are choices that we all have to make, see what we can learn, and perhaps think about this story in a different light. And so, kind of uh, to remember where we picked up from last week, Adam and Eve choose to live outside of the way that God, um, the parameters that God had set up for them to live in. And so they eat the forbidden fruit. And in this, um, in this thing that they do, in this eating of the fruit, their their status in the garden changes. They move. They they move from being innocent, naked, and unashamed to this place of guilt. And uh, with this guilt comes the isolation of shame, and with the isolation of shame comes f- the fear of being alone, and. The way that they deal with this fear is that they blame each other for what they've done, which isn't that the isn't that the pattern? Isn't that our reality? We we experience guilt and shame and fear, and we blame other people for our experience. We blame other people for our circumstances, and so that's kind of the scene that's set. They've been banished now from the garden because of the choices that they've made. And so picking up in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And so a couple of thoughts, a couple of observations for this first, first couple of verses. One Eve celebrates her firstborn, which is um, very common in that culture. But for but for her second secondborn, there's nothing really said about him. So this is kind of a an common ancient practice, and even um, we still, in some ways, practice uh, this favoring for the firstborn over the others, and. And what would happen in, in that ancient culture is that the firstborn would often receive the majority, if not all, of the inheritance after 
once parents would pass away, they would be the one who was responsible for representing the family, being the head of the household, if you will. They would run the family business. They would um, represent the family in the village. And even if you think about royalty, or for example, even like we just had a, a new royal baby across the pond in England, the firstborn's going to be the king. And so this happens in this story where Eve immediately favors Cain, but nothing's really said about Abel. He's just like, you know, a second thought. We're also given this detail that Abel keeps the flocks and Cain works the soil. And so Abel is a nomad in some sense. He's a herder. He he probably has sheep and goats, and he's dependent on um, where the grass grows, where there's vegetation. And so he's he's nomadic in nature. And um, Cain works the soil. He's a farmer, and so he's established. He's he's laid down roots in a particular place, and he he lives off the land. Now, if you just pan back from the story for a moment and think about human development from the lens of anthropologists, they believe that we began as hunters and gatherers. Um, but then we eventually kind of developed, and with that development, we began to um, keep flocks and animals and became herders and eventually kind of settled down and became farmers. And so there's this interesting progression that even takes place within here in the story where it's pointing out to the actual social development of human beings as a whole. And I just threw my keys, so you might have heard the little ringing noise across the room. And, and so there's this progression that takes place. And um, that's going to be a big factor, I think, within the story. In verse 3, it continues and says, that in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. It says that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So this is the birth of religion. This is the, the, the ancient impulse that, that the things that we need to survive, we don't actually control. And that it's as if outside forces have some sort of say in the life that we live. And so over, over time, humanity developed this idea of sacrifice and offering. Because obviously, you know, if, you need, if you're growing crops, well, the life source of crops is the sun and the rain, and those things come from the sky. And if you have a flock, there, sometimes your flock would get a disease, and there was they, no understanding of germs and bacteria and those types of things. And so it was almost as if this, this uh, a disease would come from nowhere. And so the assumption was is that the gods lived in the sky, and if you were going to get the gods' attention, well, then you would have to offer um, some sort of sacrifice or offering, and the custom was to burn it, to set it on fire so that the smoke would actually move up, would go up, and that the gods would, this would be pleasing to the gods, and then they would then look on you with favor. And so that's what you have going on here in this story is that Cain and Abel both bring offerings to the Lord. 
Now it says that Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil, but for Abel, he brought the fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. And so you could easily say that that Abel brings the very best that he has, the fatty portions of, of his flock, the best steaks of the firstborn. And he brings that as an offering, as a sacrifice, where Cain only brings some. Now, what's interesting about this is you could argue that herders are a little bit more dependent on the natural forces and in, in some sense, they're more dependent on God than a farmer like Cain. Uh, you know, if you're a farmer, you can you can set up shop close to a river. You can irrigate. You can control. You can begin to understand the seasons. You establish your boundaries and your borders, and you have come harvest time, hopefully as, as long as it's rain and there's been sunlight and your irrigation has been done properly, you're going to have a harvest year in and year out, where if you're a herder or you have a flock, well, you you're not tied down to any particular place. You have to go where the grass grows. And in the desert region, in the, in the Near East, there would be some places that would be very um, bare and um, with not a lot of vegetation. And so there was this natural conflict that would arise between herders and farmers. Because, you know, if you're a farmer, you have your boundaries, you have your fences. We don't want we don't want the sheep to bust in and start eating our cucumbers now, do we? And so there would be this natural tension between herders and farmers. And this is what you see in this story. I remember I was in the in the military, and so um, I remember being in the Middle East and being in Kuwait. And there would be these tire-like um, boundaries around people's properties. Essentially, they would... They functioned as fences, and I remember asking somebody like, what, "What's up with those tires? Why are they going? Why do they circle that person's property?" And that's exactly what they were. They were they functioned as these these fences so that the the Bedouins or the nomads with their sheep couldn't be able to get in, and their sheep wreak havoc, if you will, on on their plants and crops and those types of things. And there was this tension, even now, 2000, that was 2003, four, something like that, 2003. There was a tension even now to, in, the, in, in our modern world of these herds, herders, herdsmen, and farmers. And it's such an ancient tension. We find it here in this story. And so Cain is angry. He's angry because God has accepted um, with favor Abel's offering, but has rejected Cain's. And it's essentially is his own doing in some way, because he only brings some of the best, some of the fruit, it says. And so, you know, kind of not the best, kind of the le- he gives God essentially his leftovers. And God looks on f- with favor on Abel, but with Cain. Not so much. Now, what also is interesting about that line is if you remember Eve, she looked on she looked on Cain with favor, but you know, nothing's really said about her her younger son, Abel. And so God sees the second born. God sees the one that no one else sees. And God looks um, with favor on Abel. And so Cain's angry about this. In verse six it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? 
and why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And so in this in this episode, what we see going on here is that now Cain is struggling with the same um, emotions that his mother and father struggled with in the garden. He's made the wrong choice. He's made the choice to withhold. He's made the choice to um, try to just slip by. And it's not even that God required these sacrifices. This is something I believe that humanity comes up with on their own. But what God does see is our heart. And what he sees in these two men here or in these two characters is that Abel truly trusts God where Cain is just kind of just going through the motions. See, I I would say this, that God, God at the end of the day, he doesn't desire us just simply to go through the motions in the rituals, but he desires relationship. He desires trust. He desires us to be with him. And what he sees in this is that that Cain is just going through the ritual. All this apparently is what we have to do. Where Abel, he's offering God his heart. He's trusting God with all that he has, giving the very best that he has. And that's what God sees. And God says, God calls it out. If you would just do what was right, if you would realize that I I don't actually require these this ritual, I, I want your heart. Would you not be accepted? But in this moment, Cain has a choice. In this moment, God describes sin, um, that it's crouching at the door. It's like this predator that's waiting, it's desiring to have us. And we had this choice where we can rule over it. And so Cain is struggling with the guilt of withholding, the guilt of not giving his best, if you will. Because of this, he he experiences shame. It says that his face is downcast. He blames his brother for this, but then he takes it a step further. Not only does he blame his brother, but he's angry about this. And it's not it's hard to say whether he's frustrated with himself or he's frustrated with his brother. I, I know that for myself Anger is almost always a double-edged sword. It's it, You oftentimes are angry with yourself, but then you project it on somebody else. So he lashes out. In verse 8, it says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And so in the garden, the progression was simply guilt, shame, fear, blame. But Cain takes the story a little bit further. In this story, it's guilt, shame, fear, blame, anger, and then violence. And isn't that the world we live in? We wrestle with guilt. We wrestle with shame. We wrestle with fear. We blame one another for the problems that we have. We feel frustration and anger with ourselves and with others. And we turn to violence to resolve the problems that we have. It says in verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? In the garden he asked, Adam, where are you? 
But in this story, he asks Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And this is a problem. This is a problem for Cain, and this is a problem for us. Because for most of us, we want to shift the blame on other people. We want to say, well, no, that's not our responsibility. That's their responsibility. I'm not in charge. I'm not the one who's, who's been called to take care of other people. But I, I would say that when Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. You are your brother's keeper. And we are all called to walk alongside of one another. We're all called to hold each other accountable. We're all called to love. We're all called to be there to carry one another's burdens. And in this moment, Cain cuts ties with his brother literally by killing him. It says in verse 10, Then the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So Cain's punishment is essentially the very thing that he hates about his brother. His brother being a nomad, his brother having to be dependent, not being able to be in control. See, Cain is a man who wants to be in control. He wants to be able to control his environment. He wants to be able to control his security. He wants to be able to control his income. And yet he realizes his curse, his punishment is that he actually has no control. He cries out in verse 13 and says, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence and I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Essentially says, listen, my fate is the same as my brother's at this point if this is the life that I have to live. But verse 15, but the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer, suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one would, who found him would kill him. And so Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It goes on to say that Cain has his family and that he begins to build a city. And we're going to get into a little bit of that next week. Now, there is something interesting that happens in verse 23. One of Cain's offspring, a man named Lamech, says to his wives, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. It's almost as if a descendant of Cain, this is several generations after Cain, this, this man Lamech is mocking God's curse. And it's as if there is this avalanche of sin that is beginning to take place in the human heart. We go in one generation from people eating fruit to the next generation, uh, a man killing his brother, um, to the point now where a man named Lamech says, if Cain is going to be avenged seven times, well, then I would be avenged 77 times, essentially saying, I'm taking matters into my own hands. This chapter ends... Um, with it saying this, that Adam made love to his wife again, 
And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel. And since Cain killed him, and that Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh, and that at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. And so two takeaways for me, at least when it comes to this passage, the first one is this, do I get caught up in a meaningless ritualistic religion when God really desires my heart? God doesn't desire religion. He doesn't desire ritual. He desires relationship. And so only I know that only I and only God knows um, where my heart really is. And so that's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is when it comes to the way that I process my emotions, the guilt, the shame, the fear that I feel, how quick am I to blame other people and how quick am I to scapegoat others and lash out in violence? It raises the question, is there a better way? Uh, The story of Jesus and the Christian faith is yes, there is. And that better way is forgiveness, that, that we don't have to bring a sacrifice to offer. God has already made peace through Jesus. And so, yeah, that's, that's the Cain and Abel story. So I, I hope you guys are enjoying this. And we'll continue next week in our series in the beginning. And so I'll see you guys then, or I'll, I'll talk to you then. Blessings to you. Bye. Thank you again for listening to the live cast. If you find this podcast helpful, um, I'd like to ask you to do two things. One, share it on your social media. And two, um, please subscribe to iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review and a rating. It helps get the word out. And so thank you guys again for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Blessings. Bye.